Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Well, I've submitted, now, but here's the key, and this is why we need to slow the scriptures down. We need to slowly walk through them because many times they're not saying what you initially think they're saying. And that's where a lot of ignorance takes place and a lot of misunderstanding, and therefore, a lot of assumptions and presumptions happen. Paul's letter to the Colossians and this letter and his letter to the Ephesians as well are both very similar as we've seen that. Some of them are almost word for word, some of the verses. They, they cover, cover some of the same points. Uh, and so therefore, we can compare them to one another from time to time and get a clearer understanding of what Paul was saying. So now I want to jump over to Ephesians chapter 5. We'll get to verse 19 in just a moment, sweetheart. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 21, and Paul gives instruction about submission in, by saying this, submitting to one another in the fear of God. So we understand that submission is really something that all of us are to do. Thank you, Brother Larry. I got one amen right there. So, all right, this isn't just for the women to submit to that. No, this is all of us have the attitude of submission. And, and here's the thing about it. Submission is a response to love. I'm going to say that again. Submission is a response to love, not demands. Submitting to one another in the fear of God, all right, that is, we have this understanding that our lives are accountable to God. That's what the fear of God means. It really just means to believe God. My faith is in Him, and so He has all of my reverence. All of my honor belongs to him because he's the one my faith is in. All right. And so we submit to one another, understanding that in the fear of God, because we reverence God, then we reverence one another. Because we're submitted to God, then we submit to one another. This is what this is talking about. And all of this, as I said, is a response to love, not fear. So the, the truth and benefits found in the scriptures on godly submission. Um, have been so distorted and really perverted in Christianity. Um, it, it has resulted in many people being hurt. Uh, those people are, are now closed to any type of submission because, you know, uh, they've seen the abuse of it. Um, or, or, and so, and, you know, that's an overreaction to it, isn't it? That's an overreaction. This is just one scripture that talks about submission, and there are many others, and we're not going to get into all those tonight, but this, this verse places limitations on submission in marriage. That's what he's talking about in Colossians 3.18. Notice what it says. It talks about where the submission takes place, and it says, wives, submit to your own husbands. That doesn't mean that women just submit to all men. No, she has a, a special place in submission to her own hus husband. She doesn't have to answer to every man. Are you catching this? Submit to your own husbands. And Paul was specifically speaking of a wife submitting to her own husband. Um, let's jump over to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. And uh, we're going to expound on this a bit more. He says, but I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ, the head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. But the, the interesting thing is the word for woman here is not just women in general. It actually means a wife. Okay? So we don't get the wrong idea about what this is saying. We need to know what it is saying so we also know what it's not saying. It's the Hebrew, or not Hebrew. It's the Greek word, I don't know how else to say it, but goon, 
G-U-N-E, all right? And it means woman, especially a wife. That's, that's the meaning of this. So he's, again, Paul is talking about a woman, um, a wife and a husband's ro- uh, relationship. He's not saying that women are to submit to men in general. Are we all clear on that? And, and th- that has been one of the misinterpretations of Scripture on submission that has caused many problems. Um, second, this verse says that the wife is to submit as is fitting in the Lord. Notice this. Submit to your own husbands. Let's go to Colossians 3.18 again. Submit to your own. So we understand that there's one person and then as is fitting in the Lord. Okay, so this, this limits the submission of the wife to her husband, and the submission is found in the, in the physical realm. And this, Paul was not intru- in, instructing the woman to commit sin if her husband tells her to. We all understand that. She submits as whatever is fitting in the Lord. Okay? And, and, and that, uh, because, you know, there are some who take advantage of that and, and take that out of context and, and bully their wives around. Paul was saying that the wife should voluntarily yield to the authority of the husband Really, in, in mostly just physical matters. Amen. Look, let's look back at Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to look through some more verses of Scripture. Verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife. Also, Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the, sub, the church is subject to Christ, so let wives, the wives be to their own husbands in everything. All right? So we understand in this in the context of the big picture. What does this look like? Well, what we're seeing here in this physical realm and the relationship between a husband and a wife, Paul talked about this is a mystery. What we're seeing with a husband and a wife is a mystery, but really what we're seeing is Christ and his church. That's it. Are we submitting to Jesus because he commands us to submit? Or are we submitting to him because he loves us? Hmm? Because he died for our sins. Amen. Because he set us free. I mean, that's easy to submit to. Instead of seeing him as somebody that's barking out orders to us. It's somebody who loves us, who has earned our honor, who has earned our submission. Now you think about this. Even Jesus Christ himself. Is Jesus God? When he came to the earth, was he God? Yeah, the scripture says that that the Word became flesh. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. In other words, God took on flesh and dwelt among us. So here he is, God in the flesh, the God-man, Jesus Christ. And you know what? Even with all that, do you know that he was fully submitted? Let's look at John chapter 10 for a moment. All right, y'all don't shut me up now. Help me preach tonight. This isn't the... I know this isn't all the amen scriptures, but amen them anyway. Actually, let's not go there yet. Let's go to verse 19, the verse my wife was trying to get to. Colossians chapter 3, verse 19. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. So a parallel verse to this is found in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25. Husbands, love your wives. Ephesians 5, 25. Love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Now, that's a big love, isn't it? So it says to love your wives as Christ loved the church. Well, how much did Christ love the church? He gave his life for the church. He laid everything down for the church. Amen. He gave his all. Died for her. 
And, and this Greek word for love used in both this verse and in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 is the verb agapeo. Everybody say agapeo. It's A-G-A-P-A-O. And it's the same kind of love that God showed toward us in that while we were still sinners. Why does it tell us these things? Why does it tell us um, wives submit to your husbands? Because there are going to be opportunities where you're not going to feel like doing it. Why does it tell us to love our, our wives and not become bitter toward them? Because there are going to be opportunities to become bitter. And so he's helping us to, to, to go beyond that, to live our life, to, let, to choose love over that every time. Uh, I mean, you know, obviously we still fail, yet Christ continues to love us. Aren't you grateful for that? Ne Think about this. He never becomes bitter towards us. That's, that's what this is saying. Husbands, love your wives and don't become bitter toward them. In other words, I'm telling you something that I'm willing to do. And sometimes we feel like that when we have failed, and we've maybe failed once or twice more after that. I know that's nobody here. You've probably only failed once or, or maybe none at all. But you've maybe repeated the same thing over, and then you might sense that God's a little ticked off and he's kind of holding a grudge against you. But he doesn't. He does not become bitter towards you. And so he's not going to set a standard for you that he himself first is not willing to set for himself. Do not become bitter. This means that you live in a continuation of forgiveness. You live continually for what's ahead, not for what was. Are you hearing me? Amen. Do not become bitter. That is, don't hold their sins against them. This word, agapeo, means to seek the welfare and benefit of another. It's the choice of love empowered by the Holy Spirit that is described here, and not just the emotion or feeling of love. It's the choice empowered by the Spirit. Now let's go to John 10 for a moment. John chapter 10, verse 15. As the Father knows me, even so, I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. 16, this is Jesus speaking. And the other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Do you know who those other sheep are? That's right. 17. Therefore, my Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it again. Ooh, verse 18. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. Wow. You know, when I, when I, I want you to look back at verse 17 and 18 for a moment. I want you to notice something, because when I first read this, I had to read it again, and then, and then read it again, verse 17, and until finally I started seeing what he was saying. As I said, sometimes when you're just reading on the surface, you can really misunderstand what's being said. And if we're not careful, we'll miss what is really being said here by Jesus. On the surface, it looks like Jesus is saying that uh, the Father loves me because I do something. Do you see that? That's what it looks like it's saying. Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. But that can't be really what he's saying because you remember before Jesus ever performed one miracle, before he ever preached one sermon, John baptized him and when he came up out of the water, that voice spoke from heaven and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He hadn't done anything yet. 
And he already had the Father's love and the Father's approval. Okay, so what does this mean? Watch this. I love this. Jesus is saying, my Father loves me. Because he loves me, I lay down my life and take it again. This is the result of it. Therefore, my Father loves me because, watch this, I can lay down my life and I can take it up again. That's proof that my Father loves me. He doesn't love me because I do it. I'm able to do it because he loves me. Woo! This is the proof. I can lay down my life and I can take it up again. Isn't that beautiful? I have the authority. And then he says, I have the power. That word for power here is exousia. I have the authority to lay my life down. What gives you the authority? My Father's love. And I have the authority to take it up again. Once the Father gave the command, Jesus then had the authority to do it. See, here's the beautiful thing about God. He loves you, and he gives you a word to stand on in that love. And when you grab a hold of that word, then you carry his authority in that word. That's what Jesus said. He's given me this command. And this command is giving me all the authority, all the power to lay down my life and to take it up again. And all of this is rooted in his love for me. Ooh, I love this. Verse 19, husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. You know, many times bitterness can happen or will happen, husbands, when you demand or expect submission, but you're not doing your part of loving her unconditionally. Not one amen right there. That's... See, the, the truth is submission will not be a factor. It really won't will be a factor in a marriage when the wife knows that she's loved by her husband. It won't even be an issue. But it's when things are done out of order, when the command is outside of love. The truth is if the husbands and wives would focus on and do their own part in their marriage, come on. Many, 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 many struggles and fights and frustrations and arguments would simply go away. But when you get familiar with the person, you start making assumptions about the person, and when you've seen them, their slip-ups and their failures, then you have a tendency to say, you're the issue, you're the problem. God loves our families. He gives us his word to enact his love in our lives. This is what this is about. And these instructions give both the husband and the wife the authority to live in a loving, peaceful, and happy marriage. Amen. Amen. God is the one who started this thing. This was his institution. It was instituted by God that for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So he has given us instructions on how to live a prosperous and blessed and happy marriage. Amen. Remember this, everything, all of it comes out of love. You got to not see it as demands, but as love speaking to us. Verse 20, children, Dylan, are you listening up? Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Ephesians 6, 4 says it like this, And you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Can I just give that to you in Eric Holler terms? Whip them 
teach them and love them. Whip them, teach them, and love them. All right? Whip their backsides, especially boys. That's why God gave them that big cushion back there. Amen. Whip them, teach them, and love them. Now, today's society, this goes down sideways. I mean, this is like fingernails on a chalkboard. And, because, and, and for some reason, the church has even ex- bought into the world philosophy rather than the biblical philosophy, the biblical worldview of how we train up our children. You know, my dad, I have to, I have to admit, if, if, I, if I was being raised today and dad whipped me the way he did, CPS might show up. I mean, he had this paddle, this ruthless this ruthless, what, what instrument of death, I guess I'll call it. And I mean, he didn't, dad didn't just do, here, see here, can I, can I just be real with you for a second? Come here, honey. Come, come here for a second. Now, I'm, I want to help you. So, moms and dads that are here tonight, and, and you know what? You can, take it, you, can, you can take it or leave it. You know, my dad used to be asked because my brother, me and my brother and sister used to follow my parents around like ducks, you know, like on a row. And, and we'd sit in church and we'd sit quiet. Where, if he'd go, well, we'd just sit. Back then, we didn't have kids' church. I mean, it was, it was sit in church and you better be good or you're going to die. That's a kind of an exaggeration. But here's what, I, here's what I see, and, and Heather and I have had these discussions of, of moms and dads who are not leading their children. I mean, they're not strong. They're not leading their children. They're trying to, to negotiate with a two-year-old. That is insanity. That's insanity. A two-year-old does not know how to negotiate. This is how they negotiate. Until you go, okay, I give in. You've taught that kid nothing. You've taught that kid. You're not leading that child. And you know what you're doing? You're provoking that child to wrath. You're allowing them this fit of rage rather than taking your responsibility as the parent to say, no, 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 no. See, you train up the child in the way they should go. And when they're old, they won't depart from it. This stuff going on in the world right now, kids just running their 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 homes this has got to stop my family and we have we have to be able to talk about things like this these aren't easy things to talk about but i i I want to help you i want to give you the truth and you know what doing the right thing is not always easy but i mean you see this uh um you see oh it's maddening what that's one two this kid hasn't changed their attitude one bit because they know it doesn't matter what you do. You can count to 50, 1,500. They know they're still going to get their way. Amen. Three, I told you. What would you tell them? You just counted the three. And then you gave them what they wanted anyway. Yeah, thank you, Pastor uh, Charlie. I appreciate your amens. Or, or, or this. This is a whipping. Now, now stop. Hit that kid. I mean, hit that backside. I'm talking about you got to hit them on the right. I'm not saying abuse them. I'm not saying abuse them. They need to feel pain. This tap, tap, tap stuff does not change the matter. This, mm, come on, parents. 
Let's be parents. Let's train up our children. Be strong. See, my, you know, and, and, so, and this is the hardest thing growing up in a pastor's home, especially one as old school as John Holler, is that he would pull out the Bible. And he would open it up and he'd say, this says if I don't whip you. Proverbs, I'm telling you. And, and, and it's strong. If I don't whip you, I hate you. If I don't whip you, you'll die. But, Dad, when you whip me, I feel like I'm going to die. I, th I think you're reading that wrong. I think you're misunderstanding that. But he, but he would tell me, and I, I'm grateful to God for it. And I didn't quite understand it as a kid, but he would tell me, Son, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And this is not easy for me as your dad to do. But I know it's the right thing. And so he would administer the hell that came up from that board. Stevens incurred that board before. Back then, our parents whipped us. Like his parents would whip us, and my parents would whip him. They just, anybody could whip your kid. And this is what's amazing. But here's the thing here's where the mistake happens. Number one, if you whip the kid, don't do it angry. You need to get control of yourself and administer the discipline in the right way. So you know what I would do? I would be ticked off at times. I would take that, I would take the stick or whatever I had, and I would hit my own leg to make sure I was not overdoing it. I mean, I would whack my own leg to make sure I was going to do this the right way, have them bend over, administer it, but you can't stop there. See, the child has just paid for their crime. Now they need you to reaffirm them. And this is something that my dad taught me, and it's something I did to my children. After this thing is over, take them up, put them right on my lap, and love on them, and tell them all is forgiven, it's good, reaffirm, end up tickling and whatever, having fun. And when they walk out of that room, this matter's over. We don't talk about it. You can't leave mad. I can't leave mad when we walk out of this room. The issue's settled. And see, there's closure to it. It's over, and now we go forward. They're reaffirmed in the love, of again, love again, and next time they sit down, they'll remember, yeah. Like it or leave it. When Dylan was about six years old, I, I know none of you could imagine he ever needed a whipping, but six or seven. Because, you know, I, a lot of, a lot of what, what is taught today in child psychology and things like that is that they say if you, if you whip them, you'll drive them from you. You'll push your child away from you. No, not if you do it right. Not if you do it right. I have proof. I said, one, one day I, I whipped Dylan, and, and he'd already gotten into <laughs> I guess he'd already had a few because he already knew what was coming next. But it was the cutest thing. So I, I whipped him, and I put the paddle down on the bed, and I turned around, and he's already going <laughs> with his hands like that. I mean, of course, my heart broke in half when that happened. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> but he knew it was coming, and this is what he was yearning for. Now, he wasn't pushing, being pushed away from me. He was drawing to me. And I realized I saw the power of that. I saw the power of just doing the right thing. And let me tell you something. It's not easy. It's not easy to lead your children the right way. It's not always easy to follow the scriptures. But my family, we have a responsibility. Fathers, especially here, especially in the area of discipline, it's your duty. All right? Because especially if you got boys, mama whips them, they're going to laugh after they grow up a little bit. 
So the worst, the worst words I ever heard growing up was, wait till your dad gets home. And I would say, no, Mom, can you whip me, please? She would say, that's why I'm not doing it, because you're asking for it. Worst thing, it was a nightmare. But, you know, I look, I look at the, the, the fruit. I look at the fruit. And people would ask my dad, how do you get your children to do this? He'd say, I don't think you want to know how I do this. I don't think you want to know because it's not easy. Let me say one more thing. I had no plans of going into this at all. I want to tell you as your pastor, do not put your children in time out. Don't do it. You're damaging that child. Don't do it. All that child is doing when you put them time out, you send them to their room. Let me tell you what that kid's doing. He's standing, he's sitting in there stewing. And he's letting his little immature mind run wild. Get the matter settled. You train them. You discipline. You be right there all the way through it. Because that right there is provoking your children to wrath. Those kinds of things. That's pushing them away. Okay. I've said my bit. I'm just speaking from experience here tonight. You, like I said, you take it or leave it. Do, do what you, know, you feel like you need to do. And as long as you're doing it uh, and following the Lord, he'll give you wisdom. Now, not every child needs to be whipped. Some of them grow up and never need, need it, you know. Heather was like that because she had an older brother who just took all the weapons, and so she thought, well, I won't be doing that. She just learned by watching him. But Nathan, it's tough being the oldest, isn't it? No, you're not the oldest. But the oldest boy. Whip them, teach them, and love them. Listen, you, you discipline them, but you love them too. You do not separate those two. Those two things have to be in place. Just like by grace through faith, you're saved. Hmm? By discipline and love, you train your children up in the right way. Amen. And, and, and what, I think it's very interesting that it talks specifically to the Father not to provoke your children to wrath because the Father is really the one who, who establishes the identity for the child. And, and, you know, it's a common thread amongst many angry children today, violent children, unruly children. Many times, may, I'm not saying every time, I'm saying many times or most of the time it is because of an absent father. And it's not, like I said, always the case. And I don't just mean a father who's not in the house. Daddy can be home and still be absent. Huh? Okay. Let's go through a couple more verses, and then we'll, I think I've given you enough to chew on. <laughs> I hope you come back. All right, verse 22. Bond servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart. In other words, what it's saying is, what's a bond servant? Anybody that has a job, right? Anybody that has a job, all right? You're, you're a bond servant to that job, if you will. You're bound to, to work the hour so that you can get the pay, and you are bound to do whatever your job title requires. So obeying all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service. In other words, not just while they're in the room looking at you. But in sincerity of heart, fearing God. Now watch this. And whatever you do, say whatever. Do it heartily or do it with your whole heart as to the Lord and not to men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. For you serve 
the Lord Christ. Okay, is that helpful or not? We realize our lives are accountable to him. And whatever work I do, it doesn't matter where my boss is in the room or not. My boss is in the room. I mean, he's here all the time. And I'm doing this to, to bless him. I'm doing this because I love him and because he loves me. And that's going to show up real good in your performance for your work. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. So what this is saying is don't worry if you've been mistreated. What goes around comes around. All right? What goes around comes around. You just do the right thing anyway, no matter what they do. All right? You be who you are, and remember, you're serving the Lord Christ. He's your ultimate reward, and whatever he rewards you is going to be far better than some little hike in your pay at work. Amen? Okay, so we're going to get into chapter 4 next week. I hope I haven't terrified you tonight. I hope I've blessed you. I hope I've helped you tonight. Amen? We, this is Big People Church, right? Okay, good. Make sure I was in the right place. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for these precious people. Thank you, Lord, that you called us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. Thank you that you give us hope, a hope that is living, a living hope. That is, Christ is our hope. And this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. So no matter what we face in life, whew, our hope still stands. Because our lives are founded on the rock of our salvation. Thank you, Lord. Father, bless these husbands and these wives, these fathers and mothers and these children. Lord, may these homes, may these homes reflect God in their midst. That their children would rise up and call them blessed. That they will be like fruitful vines all around the table of their dwelling. And, Father, that the, that, that father, the husband and the wife will love one another. And there, and, and there would be a cohesion and there would be harmony in their relationship. As Peter said, to, to walk hand in hand and to enjoy, walk side by side together in this grace of life. And I declare over every family here tonight that no weapon formed against them will prosper. Every tongue that rises against them in judgment, they shall condemn. All of their children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be their peace. My family, let me just say this tonight. There's no such thing as a perfect parent. All right? There's, obviously. So don't hold grudges against yourself. Just understand, God's along the way teaching your children. This is something I pray over my children every day. All of them shall be taught of the Lord. Lord, I can't do this without you. But I know you're teaching them, and he will. He's faithful to do it. He's faithful to do it. So just, just train them up. Train them up. You do what you know to do. And let me say this. When you're wrong, admit to your child when you're wrong. Admit it to them. Amen. It's important that they, that they know that you know. Okay? That teaches them to be quick to repent and to move forward. Anyway, I just needed to say that. I don't know why, but I think that was for somebody. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.